0: Hey there, welcome to the Kayla Ambrose Show. I'm your host and your travel guide to the other side, Kayla Ambrose. Back again this week to talk. All right, let's get into it. What is this week's episode? Taking a little bit of a turn. You know I do a lot of different things, so I like to talk about a lot of different things. I'm an intuitive interior decorator. I help people Decorate their homes with all the traditional things you would think, you know, the best paint color, the right couch to get, form and function for your room, all the things a traditional designer does. But on top of that, because I see auras, because I've studied traditional feng shui, because I am intuitive and can see what you need, I help you and your family, astrologically, metaphysically spiritually and intuitively have the best home for you how to have the right colors space design decor that's going to make the best good vibes you can have in your house and that's what i do for a lot of people and it's a lot of fun so i know what color can do and i know what good design can do to make a person feel Happier, more at peace, calm in their home. Make the home feel like a sanctuary or a retreat. Make it feel like a great place to throw a party. I love to throw parties. I love to decorate for the holidays. And if you follow some of my accounts on social media, you'll see. That's what I'm posting the most are my uh, decor, especially holiday decor, especially starting um, September through December when I start decorating for fall and then go into the holidays. That's my favorite. I think sometimes in decorating, which came first, chicken or the egg? I try to remember when I was young, did I always love to decorate? Or is it because I moved around so much, I always had the opportunity to decorate and redecorate? Because we moved a lot starting in my childhood And I continued that into my adulthood, moving around quite a bit. So I think it's both because I do remember decorating my childhood bedroom and being very particular about it. And then going to my grandmother's and decorating her place and wanting to move furniture around and how it would flow better and look better at both grandparents' houses. So it's always been in me. And I guess getting to move a lot has made it amazing because I got to live in all these different places around the country with a lot of different architecture. And so the homes themselves were very different where had I stayed in one part of the country, I might have just thought, well, that's just what you do. This is, this is just how it is, uh, living in a certain type of home. But where you live in different parts of the country, where the architecture is so completely different, you learn quickly that the house is the boss. The house tells you what to do, or you're going to look like a fool. So I'll give you an example. For those of you that are old enough to remember, I want to say this was in the 90s, if I remember correctly. But there was a trend for a while with decor called Southwestern. And everybody decorated Southwestern, which for some people, they took literally putting uh, cactus and stuff in their house. And it was a style of furniture that looked very Southwestern. The fabrics, the prints, the pillows, the cushions on your sofa. The furniture was made to look, uh, if you could afford the, the nicer furniture, it had a lot of handles that looked like um buckles and things like that from the southwest if not then they were painted on there um painted to look old and weathered it had that you know old southwestern arizona a little bit into new mexico and that was the style and it was a big style for a while when themes used to be a big deal like that not so much that way anymore What's funny about it, and I I never did it. I never could do the Southwestern, but I knew a lot of people that did. And I couldn't do it because it looks funny when you're not living in that area of the world. You're not living in the desert. You're not living in the old Southwest. But you've got everything done in Southwestern. Your house doesn't match it. Nothing inside looks right. But there it is, all this southwestern adobe-style decor and uh, geometric rug, the the whole thing. Like it just rode in off the desert of Arizona. Except (laughs) you're in a different part of the country that makes no sense. And that's when you fight the house. Because the house and the culture and the community kind of need to set the tone for what your house is going to look like. For today's episode, we're going to talk about moving and packing and getting ready to go somewhere new and what works and what isn't going to work in that new house of yours, which hopefully will save you some time and energy and money. One of the areas of the country I've lived in is North Carolina. And North Carolina is kind of a catch all state for people that move there. You've got people moving from the Northeast. They're looking to go to a more seasonal four seasons climate. And North Carolina is about halfway down for them. And it doesn't feel as scary for some of them. Some people in the Northeast, it's too big of a move to go all the way down to the South. That feels like too big of a change. So they'll go down to North Carolina, which is kind of right there in the in-between to get used to it. And some of them bounce back up to North Carolina. What is a bounce? Well, I'll tell you, in North Carolina, they call these people halfbacks. And that's because there are a lot of other people who will move from the Northeast and go all the way down south, usually to Florida. And that's too extreme for them. It's too extreme in the difference of weather, people, culture how you live, what you do. And they can't really settle. So they move what's called halfway back up to North Carolina. If you look at a map between the upper northeast and and the deepest south Florida, if you halfway in the middle there is North Carolina. And so they call those people halfbacks. And there's a lot of them. They go halfway back. And so these people find there's a little bit more um, of some weather that they understand. And the houses are built a little bit similar to what they understand as well. So it feels not quite as different and easier to ease into. Most homes built in North Carolina these days, though, are what we would call contemporary. They are made of wood. And... A lot of them do have a traditional look about them, the traditional two-story that you see. More than architecture you'd see out west or down south, you won't find as many ranch houses, example, of North Carolina. Most of them are two stories. So that's something that people coming from the Northeast are comfortable with. But they don't understand that changing locations is a good opportunity to change decor. So, just like I talked about the Southwest here a minute ago, a lot of people in the Northeast love to collect colonial items. And they do their homes, and they live in old farmhouses, or old, old homes, where they can decorate their homes like it's still colonial America. It's still 1800s, and they've got these pieces that are always by the fireplace, always these old metal pieces that were used at the fireplace. They've got chairs that harken back to that time with the spindles open in the back. Uh, usually there's pretty tall churning, churning station there where it was used for milk and butter. There's sometimes the really tall milk jugs that were very tall that were used, there's some dried flower arrangements, some dried cattails, that type of look, if you're familiar with the colonial style. And so they will move that furniture down with them to Mm. Florida or North Carolina or other places they go this way. And it doesn't convey, it doesn't look right. Where parts of the Northeast have kept hold of that original 13 colonies look, The rest of the country has moved on from that. So it's not as uh, interested. Uh, It doesn't look right. The houses aren't built to really be a a showpiece to show it. So if that's your look coming from the Northeast, it's time to let that look go. Sell those pieces up there where you'll get more for the money because you've got more buyers that are going to be interested than you will if you wait till you come down further. And... It's less to move, so you're going to save money. And even probably the type of sofa you have, you're going to want a different type. There's a lot of people that go for that colonial-looking sofas, kind of with a dark wood, and the cushions are kind of tied on and attached. The table and chairs usually look that way, uh, where there's the seat cushions that are tied on the back. Again, a very heavy colonial feel, which is not going to convey you're better off selling that furniture and just finding something new when you move into your new space. The same goes if you're traveling from west to east. If you're in the old Southwest and you've been decorating like you live out in the in the in the desert, it's time to let that look go. Your Southwest look is not going to convey. If you're moving to Florida or the Deep South or the Pacific Northwest or the Northeast or the Midwest or really most anywhere, it works down there in the four corners and that's about it. Even if you go to California, maybe Southern California, you can make parts of it work, but Northern California won't work the same. And so it's getting to know if you're really attached to a style that that style may need to stay where it is. The interesting part is, with a lot of clients I work with, they're not even aware they have a style. They're not even aware that it's a look that doesn't apply everywhere. They may have gotten hand-me-downs from their parents, or it's just what they assume people do. I've had some clients that are really attached to their china cabinets. And china cabinets, for the most part, have been out of style for quite a while. And at least that look, that traditional look in the dining room, that old style dark wood china cabinet and the china on display is an outdated look. The dining room is meant to be more interesting now with consoles and sideboards that you serve from, with buffet lamps, with interesting pieces of art and now coming back um, into play is a lot of wallpaper to, to get those images on the wall, see something really amazing there. There's a lot of hutches, buffets, sideboards, where dishes are stored underneath. But displaying them on a glass area above is, is outdated. As well with the younger generations, they're not really entertaining the same way anymore. And they're not looking to use all that wedding china. It's not even something that's that's on the registries as often as they used to be. So they're not looking to display formal china in the same way where that used to be uh, such an exciting thing to have and to do. They like to use lots of different china and china for different themes and events and to mix and map so as things change so does the furniture so does the look interesting though you can take some of the more modern china cabinets and use them for displays and it makes your dining room look more modern than ever before open displays now where uh there are hutches and consoles but go up even higher with Areas for books and where it almost looks like a bookcase there on display. Much more contemporary, much more interesting, yet in- but interesting in a classic way. You see that in fine homes in Europe where things were stored in this way. So it's going back to the classics again, which never really get old. I have two China cabinets, we'll call them, that I love that are matching, and they don't look like your your traditional cabinets. They're curved, they're arched, they have metal legs. Everything about them is round and curved, and they have lights inside of them, and they look very contemporary. And I use them in my office. I actually store office supplies in them, and that's a great way to change a look. Now, I can do that because... They weren't made like a traditional China cabinet. that's very square and boxy and has the glass with piping running through it. Um, it gives it that look like, hey, I'm an old China cabinet. These look like display units that could have been used for anything. And the only way you could tell that they were built to be China is in the bottom. There are drawers that are meant to open that would store plates. So when you look there, you're like, oh, okay. This was the original, but it doesn't have to be. So when you take a look around your home and you're looking to move, you need to think about where you're going and does it apply? Are your things neutral enough? Now with neutral, it's not just color. It's texture. It's weight. It's um, the significance in the piece. So for example, if you're moving somewhere very bright and light and you're moving somewhere on the coast, down south? Is your very heavy, clucky furniture going to work in your condo that's full of light and has a view of the water, and yet your couch is a very dark and heavy sofa? Is that look really going to convey? Is the heavy dining table you have going to be the right look, or is it time to lighten it up with something else? What type of chairs... And chairs really age a table. They really can tell you a lot about a table by how the chairs look. Are they all upholstery? Do they have cane in them? Do they have slapbacks? What shape are they? How are they bending? Are they tall? Are they short? So there's a lot of different designs for chairs in that way. And simply by looking at the age of the chair can show how old your table is or not. And so some things you can work with that are easier than others. Let's say you have Parsons chairs. A lot of people use Parsons chairs for their breakfast tables, not their formal dining table, but their their breakfast table. And Parsons chairs are, you if you don't know the word, if when you see a picture, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're, they have kind of skinny four legs, and the back just comes straight up, kind of in a rectangle shape. And they're easy to push in to a table. They don't they don't have arms. They're just very straight up. Most Parsons chairs you see have cloth on them. And usually with kind of a swingy material at the bottom that's folded. And they come in all kinds of colors, all kinds of patterns. And that's the great thing about a Parsons chair is you can get it in almost any material in the world. Made as a slipcover that just pops over. Or, or attached directly to the chair. Parsons chairs usually are pretty affordable. So they're just uh, an easy way to redo a table. So if you have Parsons chairs, you're in pretty good shape. Because you can easily pull that slip cover off or have that cover removed. And buy from hundreds and hundreds of choices of lighter, brighter, breezier colors or If you're going somewhere that was very light to a darker winter type place, same thing to replace it with a heavier material like a velvet or a suede or leather. Anything can be made to fit the Parsons chair. And so you can have hundreds of different looks according. So that's a really good chair to buy if you're going to be moving around a lot or if you like to redecorate a lot. It's really fun, especially... If you buy the slipcovers, you can get a neutral that you keep, you know, on the chair mostly year-round, but so easy to buy red velvet slipcovers for Christmas if you want, or silver slipcovers for a New Year's Eve party. You could just go so many different directions with Parsons chairs. So they're a great one to do that with. Now, when you're moving, this is when you really have to... Take a look at everything you have and say, you know, where am I going with this? How much am I really attached? And first you decide how you're moving. Are you moving yourself or are you having movers? And if it's a long move, which I'm kind of more talking about here, I'm talking about moves out of state, moves to different parts of the country where you really need to decide if that furniture is even going to look good or match and work in a new place. And when you do that, you're going to find out moving's pretty expensive. And sometimes it doesn't pay to move that bed you've had that's 15 years old or with the headboard that you never really liked. And there's so many opportunities now for shopping online that you may just feel it's time to get something new and that looks better once you're in your new place and you can really see it. So, at that point, when you're moving far away, the more you get rid of, the more you let go of, the easier the move, and the cheaper the move. So, you start, of course, with your closets, and you've really got to be, or you have to have a friend, or call someone like me to really help you do a purge. And we all have bad habits of saying, one day I'm going to wear this again. Well... As we know, those one days, when they come, um, we've forgotten about the thing in the back of the closet. Or, it's out of style now, we wouldn't wear it anyway. And so, we end up holding the things that just make the closet more cluttered. If it doesn't fit, it needs to go. And if it's out of style right now, it needs to go. Even if you're like, well, it'll come back in style again. Even when styles come back around, if you've noticed, they don't come exactly the same. So, it's going to be different anyway, even if you were to go uh, pick it out right now. Lace blouses are in style right now. If I had saved the lace blouses that I used to wear from the 80s, they don't look the same. It wouldn't look the same. So, it's good to let it go. It's the same, of course, for, for everyone in your home, including children, and especially in the bathroom, and in the linen closet. Let go of the towels. Bring what you really need. Ones that aren't in great condition, let them go. In every room, you start with the closets, and then you work your way outward. You start with closets, and then you go to cabinets, and then to drawers. And you really want to make inventory of what's staying and what's moving. And how I like to do this is I set up a inventory area, as I call it, um, outside of the room and in a bigger room in the house. And I set up a folding table uh, with with three boxes or bags. And one is pack, one is um, giveaway, and one is throwaway. And the giveaway, if I'm going to have a yard sale or something, then first, then I make that the yard sale pile. And then what doesn't go there goes to giveaway. But those are the three that I do. I set it up like that with those three. The next thing I do is I buy markers in different colors. And I have a chart. And I give everyone in in the house a color that's assigned to them. They write on their boxes in their color marker. So we know, and I can tell the 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 movers, all the boxes that have... Words written on them in pink go to this room. All the ones that have green go to this room. All the ones... And so it's really color coding, which really helps at a distance too for the movers to see. I also like to save on packing supplies by taking out everything from the bathroom and the kitchen and the linen closet that's soft. And I'll wrap uh, decor in those things. I don't wrap glass because in these things because you don't want broken glass and that kind of stuff. But items that are sharp or ceramic or that could easily break, I wrap all those in softer things like towels, beach towels, um, sheets, things like that. And um, a lot of coats and sweaters, I'll use those too to wrap softer things, parts of a lamp, parts of, of things like that. I just won't do glass because... When glass breaks, you just don't, you'll never get that out of a sweater or towel or whatever. It's just not worth it. So um, I save the real packing supplies that you get, the bubble wrap and those things, the packing paper. I save those for the kitchen to do glassware in the kitchen. And then the next thing I like to do is I pack my suitcases. And I put a lot of clothes in the suitcases and I pack them for, for each person. And the suitcases are full with the clothes that instantly are going to be worn um, uh, over at the new house. So I pack everything in the suitcases on hangers and as needed like that. And I pack them by outfits. And then I pack all of those that go so that immediately when you get to the new house, you can open the suitcase, there's the hangers, and you can... Pull out, and there's like 10 outfits to wear with everything. With shoes, with with all accessorized, everything you need top to bottom. Another tip I do is some things have to be taken apart. Some tables, some pieces of furniture and equipment have to be broken down a little bit for the move. Sometimes um, it's electronics with the cords, cables and things for the TV. So I buy these really big... Ziploc bags. They're huge. I don't have the exact size on me, but if I held the top of the bag up to my chin, the bottom of the bag would come to my hip area. They're that big. They can hold kids' toys. They can hold, you know, like a football, a soccer ball, and a tennis racket inside. They're that big. And I buy a bunch of those. And so for the bigger things, like with big cables and cords, electronics, I put those in one of those bags to keep them together. And I also make notes. I tape, uh, well, I write on a post-it note what this cord is for. Like this cord powers in the laptop. And I write that on a post-it note. And I then tape that post-it note to that cord. So when a person pulls it out, they can unpeel the post-it note and read it. And know exactly where it goes. I do this for all the loose cords and cables. So anyone that's unpacking could know immediately where to take that cord or cable and to put it with whatever electronic. For smaller things like that, when there's cords and uh, you know, and, and screws and Allen wrenches and things that are smaller but need to be used because they took down part of a table or part of something, I also write on post-it notes and tape those to those screws or the Allen wrench or whatever is with it. And I put each set of screws and all of that in a separate little Ziploc, a tiny Ziploc, and then put all of those little ziplocks into a big zip, Ziploc where we can find all those together and be able to find that one box and pull everything out that, that takes everything that we need. Other thing I like to do is I take pictures of my TV and all my computers, meaning how they were plugged in. I never remember exactly where the router goes and how things were plugged in in the back, but when I take pictures and I pull it up on my phone, I know exactly that the red cord went here, white cord went here, and I'm able to pack it back up. There's always ways to pack within pack within pack. For example, do you have a lot of spices? If so, pack your spices in your pots and pans. And then put the, uh, the lid on your pot and just take some saran wrap and wrap it over so the top stays on and there's your spices inside. You can always do this with other things. You can take your silverware, wrap it in dish towels, put it in one of your bigger pots that you have, and then put the top on and saran wrap it. All these things kind of keep everything together in the same room and make it easier. So there's lots of little things like that that you can do. Um, some people just keep their their forks and knives in the utensil tray and then saran wrap that whole thing. They, they put a, a paper towels or a dish towel over it and then saran wrap it and put it in the bottom of a box. So you pull it out, there's all your silverware ready to go. Another thing I like to do is to use plastic bins for everything that's wet. Any cleaning supplies, laundry detergent, things coming from the bathroom, shampoos, all of that, they always get put in plastic bins and kept away from other things because not everything's gentle during a move. Some things get hit pretty hard and those things can crack and leak. And if they're in a box with something else, you're not going to find it in time. It's going to ruin things. So just keep all that together in plastic bins, so at least they're just leaking on each other that way and not getting into your other good stuff. Once you've moved and you're in the new place, it's time to take a minute and let the house talk to you and let it tell you how it wants to look. Your best bet is to unpack quickly, but decorate slowly. That means unpack things that you need to have Unpack your clothes, unpack your kitchen, unpack your bathrooms, pull your things out that you need, get your couch situated somewhere just so that you can sit, get your beds put together, but don't rush out right away and buy new comforters and uh, new curtains and all those things. You want to wait on the decor, so make your house workable but not decorated keep it lean and mean for the moment and the reason is you really need to spend a week in your house before you decide to decorate you need to understand how your house works how it lives and how do you know this well over a week's time you first see how lighting works how much natural light is in your house Which windows does it come through the best? How dark does it get at night? Which areas are the darkest? Which areas need better lighting? And which areas already come with good lighting in the ceilings? You need to understand this. How are the floors working? Which ones really need rugs and which don't? Which have too many patterns? And if you've bought the place, are you going to be doing any remodeling right away? If you're about to tear out a floor or paint or redo wallpaper or new lighting, you're going to want to think about all that before you go buy anything because it's going to change a lot when you do. The biggest mistake I see in decorating is people who think they can piecemeal it. And you can always tell someone who's piecemealing it, Because their house looks like it. What is piecemeal? Well, it's a person who doesn't have a lot of vision. And they're kind of all over the place. And either they don't have the budget or they want what they want. And they don't understand how that's going to end up looking. So when you piecemeal, uh, you look at a room and for easy numbers, let's just say it's gonna be, let's just say it's gonna be ten thousand dollars to do that room to really do it start to finish. Maybe there's new crown molding you want, new lighting, uh, new flooring, furniture, the works. And so you know realistically that's what it's gonna cost. but you want a lot of things for a lot of rooms. and so you piecemeal, you're like, well, I'll get the floors done for now in all the rooms. But then I really want curtains in this room. And I really want a sofa for that room. And I really want lamps over here. And so you keep going between three to five rooms. And you spend that $10,000, but you don't spend it in one or two rooms. You spend it all throughout the house. And so now you have to wait before you have more um money that you could spend and so the house is piecemeal like in one room you can tell there's new curtains but nothing else is new and they don't really go together and another room there's a new rug on the floor but it doesn't match anything else in there and it doesn't really look right another room has new lamps but they don't really work with the tables that are still there And you don't want to get something that matches what you currently have because you're trying to go forward. So you keep getting new items, but nothing's really working or coming together because you're hopping back and forth between these rooms. I know it takes a lot of patience to do this, but if you really want a home to look like there's really been a lot of thought put into it, you're better to stick to one room and do it room by room as you can. And this is because if you put all the energy into one thing, it's no different than what experts tell you. Whether you're building a career, you're trying to become an expert at something, you wanna be known for something, everyone will tell you, stick to one thing, do your best at it, and get known for that. And then you can go on to do other things. It's the same. So say you have a living room, a family room, and a dining room. And you want to make changes, but your budget won't allow you to do so much. You're better to pick one of those rooms and redo that room to the best of its ability. If it needs new floors, do so. If it needs painting, if it needs wallpapering, if it needs new shutters and blinds or curtains, if it needs popcorn scraped off the ceiling, if it needs new lighting above, all of that should be handled first. Then do you go to furniture and consider the furniture that's there and bring all that together. And then you go to accessories, your rugs, your pillows, your lamps, because you never just want to have lighting coming from the ceiling. You always want lighting coming from lamps too. And, Usually a couple of different heights of lamps, one like a floor lamp, some table lamps. You want lighting from a lot of different angles. This is what makes a room warm and inviting. And so when you're down to picking all your accessories, your pillows, your rugs, that's when you are really bring in your color and your color scheme for how that room is going to, to look. And as you pull all that together and you've put everything together in that one room, That room, if done right, is going to look like a very well-decorated, finished product. It's going to be a room when people walk in and they're like, oh, wow, this room is amazing. And they'll stand there and they'll look at it for a minute like, I love those chairs. Where did you get those chairs? And those chairs are like a signature piece in the room because they tie everything together in the room that you've done with color and shape and... Telling the story of the room, telling the story of the house, what this house is made to look like, what the feeling is about. And so, one room well done, tells everyone who enters, I know my house. I understand its story. I understand its background. And I understand who it is and who it wishes to be. And I'm explaining that story in this room and so then as other people look at the other rooms in your home and they see some that aren't as put together they understand what you're doing they understand that you're going room by room and that focusing to get everything done uh, to the best it can be before you take on the next project and so it's really easy for them to see and to visualize that that oh which room are you doing next And when they say that, you know, they've got it. They, you know, you know, they see your vision and what you're doing and you can go on to tell them like my next project is whether it's the kitchen breakfast area or the family room, the dining room, wherever you're going. And then you envision and you share for them what you're doing in there and they can see it with you because they've clearly seen what you've been able to do because it wasn't piecemeal when you have. New chairs in one room, new drapes in another, better lamps in a third. It's piecemeal. And what that looks like is that you don't know what you're doing and you're just kind of higgly-piggly is the word I use for it, higgly-piggly. And you're higgly-piggly just bouncing around going, I like this, I like this, I like this. But none of it comes together and tells the story. And so that's why it's so important to be patient. And whichever room you're going to do, Put all the time and energy and focus into that room. Now, with any rule, there's always exceptions to the rule. If you're downstairs and you're wanting to redo the floors and you're like, well, I'm going to do hardwood flooring, then take your money and do the hardwood flooring everywhere you want to do it at the same time or the tile you want to do, whatever flooring you want to do. That should all be done at the same time to... Look the best. It's hard sometimes to get runs on things where you find that it's exactly the same in design. So if you're doing something big like a floor, do the floor. I recommend the same too. If you're deep popcorning, it's very messy to take that off the ceiling. If you're deep popcorning, shut down the house and get it deep popcorn. Get it done and get it over with. Other things you can do, you know, section by section. As you're doing a room, uh, painting, putting up, molding, things like that, you can uh, easily get done at different times. Floors, though, especially, try to do your floor at the same time. So all your tiles together, all your hardwood, whatever it is you're doing, get it all done at the same time. You'll be much happier with that, with the way it runs, with any problems. That's that's the best way to go on that. All right, well, these have been some tips about moving packing and starting over in a new part of the country might need to really look at your look and decide what's going to work for you my last tip is to be relentless and ruthless and decluttering especially all those drawers you have when you start going to those drawers there are just so many things you see that you save and have never used again or can't find them when you need them so Your junk drawers will fill up quickly wherever you go. So really try to let those things go down. Don't pay to move those things. It all adds up what you put. And especially the kitchen, be relentless in, in not just the drawers, but the cabinets. How many pots and pans do you really have? And how many do you really need? Look at those. How many cups do you really need? We tend to save a lot of plastic cups. From different places how many do we really need to use and you'll probably be gathering a new set of those before you know it in places you go in the future so probably not a need to move those time to let them go time to look at these things and decide how many you really need i once counted at a client's kitchen that they had no less than 12 spatulas All different shapes and sizes. But I had to ask, do you really need that many spatulas? (laughs) And they really cooked. It was funny. I think the kids used the spatulas more uh, when they burned things on a, like a sheet pan, to get them out because they didn't cook a lot. So, just things that added up over time. They had a potato masher. How many of you used to have a potato masher? And how many of you still use that potato masher. Maybe some of you once a year at Thanksgiving do. I know a lot of people just mash with a fork these days. If you're a true chef, I don't begrudge you any of your tools, but a lot of people have a lot of things in their cabinets that don't get used. A lot of extra Rubbermaid or Tupperware that is missing lids, sitting up there that never gets used. A lot of things like that. It's a good time to really look through and ask yourself, do I really need to move these things and bring them with me? So, I hope you enjoy your move and the packing and unpacking. And most of all, if you like learning about these things, I have an intuitive interior decor school. that teaches you more about color and form and function and texture and everything to do with decorating For the interior of your home. So check that out online at my website. ExploreYourSpirit.com If you're interested. And as always I'll be back next week. Talking about something. Always talking about something to do with intuition in some way. And color and energy. And form and function. And purpose in life.